Hello everyone, thank you for listening to today's message. My name is Pastor Dwayne Life, lead pastor at the Life Point Community Church. What you're going to hear today is a message from one of our recent services. And we believe that by listening to today's message, you're going to be blessed and encouraged from the Word of God. You're going to be strengthened, and we believe that God's going to speak to you in a very fresh, new, and real way through today's message. So thanks again for listening. Be blessed and encouraged, and we love you. God bless. Good morning. Good morning. If you have your Bibles, uh, I want you to turn to John chapter 1. And while you're turning, I'm going to go ahead and apologize. Because I, since, since about 5 this morning, I've had a whole pot of coffee and a sugar-free monster. But the main reason I'm so excited is because I feel like somebody might just get set free this morning. I, I just believe that if, if you'll open your heart to what God wants to say to you today, that you might just be transformed. Anybody need to leave different than you came? No, we're all perfect people. You need to leave different than you came? You need to leave different than you came? Yes, me too. John chapter 1. Man, I'll just tell you, that last song they sang, that might be my all-time favorite Life Point worship song. The Proverbs 18 says that the name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous run to it and are saved. And, and man, that just, to me, that just speaks volumes. Man, maybe there's a time in your world when you need safety from what's going on around you. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. John chapter 1, um, we'll read uh, the first five verses, and then verse 14 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I love verse 14. The Word became flesh. And made his dwelling among us. His name's Jesus, by the way. We have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Father, um, just over the next few moments, uh, I, we, we just declare with our voice that we need you. Um, God, we, we don't want to leave here like we came. And God, if all, all today is as songs and sermons, then God, it, it, we've wasted our time. So God, I just pray that your spirit, oh, your perfect, convicting, wise, all-knowing spirit would speak to our hearts. As men and women who want to know more about who you are and the way you do things, would you speak to us? With your words, in Jesus' name, everybody said, over the last few weeks, we've been talking about the power of words. Words are powerful. Um, Your words, my words, carry a lot of weight. They can be medicine or they can be a weapon. They can hurt. They can heal. They can offer hope and peace. Or they can be the source of pain. And discouragement, the words we say don't dissipate when we can no longer audibly hear them. The Bible says in Proverbs 18 verse 21 that the tongue has the power of life and death. So here's 
Here's my question. How do you handle those words that aren't meant to help, but are meant to destroy and to hurt? Those words thrown at you in moments of anger or frustration. Here's what James says about those words in James chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Listen, consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire. A world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body. Listen, sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. It's pretty powerful, isn't it? Just so I know who I'm talking to, how many would say along with me that somebody's words have hurt you at some point in your life? Maybe we won't be so willing to admit this, but how many of you would say that you've hurt with your words? Me too. So the next question is, how did Jesus handle those words? How did he handle words spoken to him in anger and words of hate and ridicule thrown at him from people that didn't even know him? Go with me. 2,000 years ago. And heal outside Jerusalem. A hill reserved for the worst of the worst. They called it Golgotha. It, it literally mean, meant the place of the skull. And on this particular Friday, the whole community had gathered to watch three criminals be executed. Actually, they, they were going to watch two criminals. And one very, very innocent man die on that day. Jesus hung on a cross. Beaten and bloodied. Naked. Humiliated. His body racked with pain. But for those that hated him, that wasn't enough. It wasn't enough to break his body. It wasn't enough to cause him to bear the weight of the world on his shoulders. The weight of your sin and mine on his body. That wasn't enough for those around him that hated him. And pointed a finger in anger. They wanted to break his spirit. So they threw words. Who do you think you are? Some king you are. If you were really a king, you wouldn't be up on that cross. Why don't you save yourself? And they cursed at him. Ridiculed him. And all he'd ever done, all he'd ever done, there was never one more innocent than he was. And they hurled words. Here was a man who'd spent his life serving and loving and teaching and feeding and healing and helping others. And look where that had gotten him. No good deed goes unpunished. Peter was there 
And some years later, he wrote these words in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23. When they hurled their insults at him. See, and Peter wasn't real flowery with his speech. He didn't talk a lot about illustrations. And with a lot of illustrations, he said they hurled insults at him. They threw their vile words at him. And he did... <clears throat> He did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. He entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Never. Never had there been so great an injustice. Never had there been a more innocent man. And listen from my heart. It's important for me to lay this foundation this morning. Because I'm going to get to a point a little bit later and you're going to go, but Dwayne, you don't know what they did to me. I promise you, you, you may have been innocent, but you, no one's ever been more innocent than he was. The Savior of the world, broken and beaten unjustly with a crowd, hurling, like Peter said, insults at him. How did he respond? How would you have responded? I know how I would have responded. And it wouldn't have been like Jesus. I'd have said, okay, buddy. You're going to get yours. Hey, you're going to feel real stupid Sunday morning. That's what I'd have done. Nope. That's That's exactly not what Jesus did. In the midst of the greatest, listen to me, in the midst of the greatest physical pain a human could ever bear, living through the shame of his public humiliation, Jesus stared out at the crowd, hurling insults at him, and said, Father, forgive them. If you want to read it for yourself, in Luke 23, 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And the soldiers, as he's speaking, gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them. So I have a question for you. Who, when he said, Father, forgive them, who's them? Was it, was it those soldiers at the foot of his cross gambling for his clothes? Probably. Was it those religious leaders that had lied enough to get him convicted? Probably. Was it the Roman government that he legally had him prosecuted and hung on a cross? More than likely. Was it Judas? Was Judas the them he was talking about that had betrayed him for 30 pieces of silver, a day's wage? Yeah, I think it was all of that. And I think the them, I think somehow on that cross that Jesus looked down 
through the annals of time and saw you and me and said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. See, we, we, we like to play this game like we've got our stuff together and, and we're holy and we, we come to church and we come to Sunday school and we do all our stuff and we give tithes and offerings. But every one of us, there's none righteous. No, not one is what the Bible says. Every one of us stood in desperate need of forgiveness. So, when I was studying for this, I, I asked a question. Excuse me. God, why would you do that? Why would you forgive us for breaking your law over and over and over again? Why would you forgive us for denying that you are alive and with our lifestyle, denying that you've done anything at all for us? Why would you do that? And I came across this passage of Scripture that I want you to look at with me. Why would he? Isaiah 43 verse 25 says this. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions. Three very powerful words I want you to take note of. Four four very powerful words. For my own sake. And remember your sins no more. I had to know what that meant. For my own sake. What does that mean? For my own sake. I don't understand what why would you say that just like for my own i've forgiven you and blotted out your transgressions for my own sake and here's what i did i started reading that passage and i i I got a lot of bibles and i started reading them in all sorts of different translations and and you know what almost every one of them says those same four words for my own sake i gotta know what that means For my own sake. I've forgiven you for my own sake is what God said. And it really means two things. For my own sake. It really, it bears bears these two thoughts. The the Hebrew language is so, it's so, um, it's it's so descriptive that that its words many times don't translate well to the English language. But but here's what I found out. it, It means these two ways. First of all, for my own sake means I've forgiven your transgressions. I've blotted out your sins because that's who I am. I'm a God of grace and mercy, full of compassion is what psalmist said. Because that's what I do. It's who I am. I forgive you. Not just because you need it, but because that's what I do. Isn't that enough? And then it means this. 
for my own sake because because it brings me pleasure. It brought him and, and here's what I can't wrap my mind around. The Bible tells us that it it brought him pleasure to send his only son. It brought him pleasure to offer his son as a sacrifice for your sin and for mine. So he could say, you're forgiven. So he could say, your sins are covered with the blood of my son. They're paid for. The dead is redeemed. It's forever gone. It brought him pleasure to be able to look at my life racked with sin and to cover my life with the blood of his son and forgive me. It brought him pleasure because that's what he does and that's who he is. <laughs> it seems so simple but so profound. It's just because that's who he is. See, there's, there are people who want to paint this picture of God as, as, as a God of wrath. And don't get me wrong. Hey, read, read the first 39 books. As a God of judgment, and don't get me wrong, I don't want to stand at the judgment seat of God by myself. But aren't you glad that you know Him as a God of love and mercy and compassion and forgiveness? So now here's the question. <laughs> What's, what do we do with that? What, what do we do with that kind of forgiveness? That you didn't earn, by the way. You know, we, we want to think that, oh, well, because I come to church and because I got my act together and I, that I've somehow earned. No, no. What's our response to a God that offers us? First thing, we're going to seek his forgiveness. We're going to seek forgiveness, first of all, from God. Listen, Colossians 1, 13 and 14 say, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of, his, of the Son he loves. In whom we have redemption. And then he defines what that redemption is. The forgiveness of sin. <laughs> no other religion. If you go to Bible school, at some point you're going to have to take a course. Take a class called Comparative Religions. And they're going to compare Christianity to every other religion on the planet. Or most of the other religions on the planet. There is no other religion on the planet that teaches forgiveness of sin because God chooses. Every other religion on the planet teaches if you'll do this, you can find forgiveness. If you'll work this long... You can find forgiveness. If you'll say this many prayers and you'll face the east, 
three times a day. And you'll do all of this stuff. You can find forgiveness. But that's not what the God of the Bible says. The God of the Bible says, it brings me pleasure to offer you forgiveness because you found it in the blood of my son whom I love. I know sometimes you guys get tired of me standing up here and crying. But I still remember. That's, that's why sometimes I'm very thankful that I didn't grow up in a church. I remember. I remember what it felt like to be forgiven for the first time. And now 30 years later, it blo- 35 years later, hang on. It still blows me away. It still causes me to be humbled that the God of the universe would love me enough to forgive me just because he loves me. Not because I earned it. Now, how many of you know forgiveness goes beyond just receiving forgiveness from God? See, we need to seek forgiveness from God, but we also need to seek it from others. Who have you wronged? Who have you hurt? Who have you hurled insults at? Imagine if you're like me, you won't have to look very far. Probably won't have to look outside your own home. I can think back as the boys were growing up, the most humbling time in my life was when I had to look at them eye to eye and ask their forgiveness. Who have you wronged? Who have you hurt? See, what we want to do is we want to just close our eyes and think, well, if enough time goes by, all will be well. And can I tell you that the reverse is actually more true? So you might not thought anything of it, but, but maybe you've caused a seed of resentment to grow in someone's heart because of something you said, something you did. Can I tell you that the Christian thing to do is to make that right? Forgive me. In fact, Jesus said it like this in what we call the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our debts as we've forgiven our debtors. So we seek forgiveness. And then we offer forgiveness. Who's hurt you? Again, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. I'm going to tell you two stories of forgiveness. And so I don't freak y'all out that take notes. We're going to offer forgiveness willingly. We're going to offer forgiveness completely. Because here's the deal. Partial forgiveness is really not forgiveness at all. I'm going to tell you two stories of forgiveness. One of them is very personal. And I've shared this story before, so I, but it, it bears repeating. Someone had wronged my family in, in a very tangible financial way. 
to the tune of about $9,000. Now, $9,000 might not be a lot of money to you, but it's a whole lot of money to Dwayne. And, and just through the circumstances, that 9000 literally became 18000 Because the money he stole, I had to go and replace. And I didn't realize this, but here's what the enemy of my soul was doing. There was a root of anger and resentment that was growing like a cancer in my soul. And every time I would think about it, I'd get angry. And I never said anything to anybody. I never said nothing to my wife. I didn't say anything to my pastor. It was growing. And it was getting... I hated this man. He'd taken food off of my family's table. And I didn't realize, I didn't realize the bitterness and the anger. And you know, for months it may sit dormant, and then I'd, I'd have a thought. I would remember it. And the anger would swell li- like, like an explosion in my heart. And it was the most dangerous kind of anger because I was right. I'd been the one that was hurt. I had every reasonable right to be angry. I walked into church one Wednesday night and Mark Ford was teaching about forgiveness. And the gentleman's name who I'm talking, that had caused this harm, his face I saw in my heart. And it was as Jesus himself was saying, Dwayne, you've got to forgive. <laughs> and I argued. But he hurt me, and I'm still paying for it. He hurt me, and he hurt my family. And that gentle voice of the Holy Spirit began to get not so gentle. And I realized, and and the Holy Spirit convicted me, and I knew that I had to be obedient. It wasn't easy. But that night, in in that schoolroom at Covenant Christian Academy, I forgave and let it go. Can I tell you, most of this transaction was internal. I hadn't said a whole lot to my wife. I think she knew. But I found freedom that night. See, the forgiveness wasn't for him. It was for me. And I had to... Like a well overused Disney song, let it go. Let it go. Let it go. (laughs) That was awful. And I told you that to tell you this. Oh, I'm not supposed to say that anymore. (laughs) Maybe you're carrying something around that nobody nobody knows, and you're innocent. You were wronged. But that resentment 
is like a cancer in your soul. Let it go. Forgive. Then there's another story I want to tell you. This is not a personal story. It's a story I heard when I took the students to Winter Jam a couple years ago. And there was a gentleman there singing. His name is Matthew West. And he has a very popular song on, uh, on the radio. Now, if you listen to 104.7 The Fish, you've probably heard it. They're going to play just a little bit of it. It's always anger's own worst enemy Even when the jury and the judge Say you got a right to hold a grudge It's the whisper in your ear Saying set it free Forgiveness recognize that song. I'm going to tell you the story behind the song. Um, Matthew West says that as he was preparing this album, he, he solicited on social media stories from real people walking through real life hurts and situations. And he wanted to build this album around real stories. He got a letter from a lady by the name of Renee Napier. Um, And and the letter, I won't bore you with reading the whole letter, but just know this. It said, I need to tell you a story of forgiveness. In 2002, my daughter was coming home. My 20-year-old twin daughter was coming home, just her and her best friend from the beach. And another 20-year-old, his name was Eric Smallridge, was over twice the legal limit of alcohol in his blood, hit their car in a drunken stupor, and killed them both instantly. Just let that sink in a minute. I can't imagine. She goes on to tell the story that she used this horrible event as a platform to go from school to school to school talking to kids about the dangers of driving under the influence of drugs and alcohol. And she would tow uh, the car that her daughter was killed in as an illustration. Well, after a few years of this, she, she was a believer. And see, if, if you notice the line in that song that says, even when the jury and the judge tells you you have a right to hold a grudge. See, Eric was convicted, two counts of vehicle homicide, and was sentenced to 22 years in a, federal, in a, in a penitentiary. 
So after traveling for several years, God began to deal with her heart. Go ahead and throw those pictures up. I want, I want you to see Renee. That's Renee, and that's the young man that killed her, killed her daughter. And after, after a period of time, God began to deal with her. He said, you're never going to find freedom, and you're never going to find deliverance until you forgive him. I don't know about you. I don't know if I could do that. Someone shamelessly and recklessly, and to this point, the young man had never shown one ounce of remorse. So she wrote him a letter. And in the middle of the letter, she said, I forgive you. And then she went to visit him, to tell him face to face, I forgive you. And this is what that meeting looked like. Sometimes shortly thereafter, Eric found Jesus. And then she went to the court and petitioned to have his sentence reduced from 22 years to 11 years. He was released in 2012 and today travels with her across the country, not just talking about the evils of driving under the influence, but about the enormous power of forgiveness. Now, I'm not trying to glorify what she'd done. Here's here's what we need to know. If she doesn't do that, what, what happens to this young man? And now countless thousands of people are hearing a message about the incredible power of forgiveness. Can I tell you, before you look at that story and go, I, I, I don't know if I could do that. Before you look at that story and think, there's got to be a catch. There's no way a mom could forgive the young man that took her daughter's life. Well, maybe she had a grasp of just how innocent Jesus was. And if Jesus can offer me forgiveness in spite of what I've done. Just maybe he can help me forgive. C.S. Lewis says, to be a Christian (laughs) means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. I told you those stories because I just wonder in, a, in this room. <laughs> maybe there's some of us that need to seek forgiveness. See, we, 
we think that our, our, in our seeking of forgiveness, there has to be some excuse. I, I did it because, and, and truthfully, there, there rarely is one. In fact, excuses usually make it worse. Think about your own prayer. When you ask God to forgive you, if you start making excuses, is that really repentance? And is that really asking God to forgive when you're, well, I I did it, but it was because? No. Can I tell you when it's freeing to come before God? I did it. Because I'm weak. I did it because I chose to. And own it. Instead of trying to attach it to somebody else, I did it. And I'm sorry. First John 1 and 9 says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive and cleanse. Maybe there's somebody you need to forgive. And you know what you're waiting on? You're waiting for them to come to you. Uh, let, let me just tell you from my own experience, if Your lack of forgiveness is not an issue between you and the person that hurt you. It's an issue between you and God. Let it go. Dwayne, it's not... No, I get it. I know. It's not easy. Right rarely is. What you're doing... Is you're freeing yourself from that cancer in your soul. Nelson Mandela said, resentment, listen, this is, this is wise. Resentment is like drinking poison and then hoping it will kill your enemies. Let it go. Don's going to come and play. And you and I are going to pray. Because I believe that there's two kinds of people here today. I believe that there's some of us here that might need to seek forgiveness. Maybe from God. Maybe you've sinned and you know it. I don't know about you, but there are times when I know I've dropped the ball and I've failed God with my attitude or my actions. And I don't know what to say. And I try to pray and it just doesn't, the words just, doesn't, just don't seem right. Maybe, Father, forgive me is enough. 
Or maybe you need to seek forgiveness for somebody that you've hurt. Here's what I would do. While you're feeling that in your heart today, maybe you need to make a phone call this afternoon, right away. Maybe you need to knock on somebody's door. You might not need to knock on somebody's door. They may live in your home. So some of you need to seek forgiveness. Some of you need to offer forgiveness. And again, it may be somebody in your house and they've hurt you. I get it. But maybe healing doesn't start until you offer forgiveness. Not because they deserve it. Maybe what they did was inexcusable. But because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you, you're going to forgive. And you're going to watch as the Holy Spirit takes that offer of forgiveness and uses it as a catalyst for healing in your home. Here's what I want to do. I want us to pray together today. Nobody's looking around. And in our prayer to to, to end this service, let's start it by doing this one thing. Let's thank God for forgiveness. Where would we be without it? And then, let's pray for forgiveness from God. And I want to challenge you in this prayer, don't don't make excuses for what you've done. Own it. That way you can offer all of it to Him. Then we're going to ask God to search our heart and see if there's someone in your world, in your home, in your place of business, in your school that you need to extend forgiveness to. And if God prompts you there, the Holy Spirit leads you to offer forgiveness, please listen to me. Don't delay. Do it right away. We're going to pray, and these altars are open. If you want to pray around these altars, we would, you're, you're more than welcome. If you want to pray right where you're at, that's fine too. But I have a feeling that if you're like me, you need to experience forgiveness today. So let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for the blood of your Son who looked down through the annals of time and saw Dwayne in need, in desperate need of forgiveness. And his words were, Father, forgive him. 
He doesn't even know what he's doing. God, I thank you for that. I know there have been times when my attitude and my actions displeased you. It would make me feel better to offer you some excuse for why I did it, why I thought it, why I said it. Truthfully, there is none. So forgive me. In Jesus' name. God, there are those of us that may need to seek forgiveness from somebody. God, I pray that the Holy Spirit would heal relationships. And there are those of us that need to offer forgiveness to those in our world, those in our home maybe, those in our schools, in our places of business that have wronged us. And we're innocent. (laughs) God, help us to be like your son Jesus who modeled forgiveness for us. No one was ever more innocent than he was and freely offered us forgiveness. Help us do likewise. In Jesus' name. Before you leave, will you just worship the Lord with this, with this chorus? I love this chorus. We love you, Jesus. You've made us glad. just offer the Lord an ovation of praise for His goodness, His grace, His mercy. And why don't somebody praise God for His forgiveness this morning? Amen. 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 God bless you. Have a great, great, great afternoon.
Power of the cross.